Now here is the great, great secret of effectual prayer. Listen carefully. The prayer that gets to heaven starts in heaven. I believe God wants to shake this old country one more time with heaven-sent revival. That's what God wants to do. There also has to be the other side of the coin, our responsibility to share that life-changing message with those around us. There's something in the nature of God that wants His love to be shared with other people. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast exploring the ins and outs of church revitalization with your hosts, Matt Hensley and Kyle Beerman. This podcast is sponsored in part by the Christian Standard Bible. We encourage you to check out the CSB after the show to learn about a translation that is both readable and accurate at csbible.com. Welcome, Kyle. How are you doing, man? Man, I am so good. And and you know what, Matt? Um, We are, hopefully by the time this goes live, we have baseball in some form. We, we, we have well, I, the promise I, I of baseball. Like, I kind of like this final form. Uh, you know, no uh, pitchers hitting or anything like that. You know, it's like it's the final form. I'm loving it. I can't, I can't wait to see it. And I, I know we have somebody on the, uh, the podcast today that is super thrilled about that as well. Welcome to the show, Dr. Barber. How are you doing? I was doing great until you brought up the designated hitter. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had thought about coming on the podcast, I thought, you know, I, I endorsed this guy for president of the SBC. <laughs> so my reputation's already ruined forever. What can it hurt to come on here? And then I realized that the sacred thing that remains uh, pure baseball is, is uh, going to be attacked on here. And, uh, you know, there are regrets, mistakes were made. <laughs> but, you know, the last time God sent a, uh, you know, a, a pandemic to, to keep us from uh, having Matt Hensley as the president yes, of the he SBC did. Pastors yeah. Conference. That so, is true, yes. You know, you never really know. But, uh, God is, but, even not being a Calvinist, I, I believe in the sovereignty of God. God <laughs> oh, Bart, how are you doing, man? I, I'm doing great. Uh, as far as I know, uh, um, you know, unless they've had a business meeting I don't know about, I'm still the pastor here, and uh, and God's blessing. It's great to minister to these people. Farmersville is the greatest uh, city in the greatest state and the greatest country in the world. Yeah, and my, my dad would really wholeheartedly true. endorse that statement. My, yes. uh, my dad's from Farmersville and uh, likes to talk about that often, and uh, and so we, we've been navigating something similar, to, at least for me, the last few weeks, as you've been navigating for, for a while now with your mom. Uh, and with my dad has taken a turn for the worse. And, and actually, as we talk right now, is being transported to a nursing home. And uh, mm. so during this COVID situation and so forth, that's difficult on my, uh, on my mom. Uh, he doesn't quite know exactly what's going on, uh, but uh, he's going to be in good hands uh, there. The nursing home that he's going to is good uh, and highly recommended and so forth. Uh, but it is difficult for mom and, and difficult for me and my sister uh, of course, not being able to visit, and and we know you've navigated those uh, those roads, and Kyle and I have certainly been praying for you uh, the Thank last you. couple of weeks. has been difficult, I know. Mom's facility is spectacular. It's amazing, but although it's not exactly the same thing, it hits close to the neighborhood of reminding us that man does not live by bread alone, 
yeah. and uh, nor can people live by uh, sterile protection from virus alone. The, the, uh, um, the, the, the isolation that has come to so many people, so many of the most vulnerable people through these restrictions uh, is, is taking a heavy, heavy toll. Um, we were fortunate, we busted my mom out and uh, cared for her at my sister's home for uh, about a month. And she went from, okay, we need to go to hospice because she has only, you know, a, a few weeks to live to making a very good physical recovery uh, just from being loved. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's, um, uh, that, that's something that is an unwritten story, I think, so far uh, of this time in, in our country's life, in our world. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, one of one of the things that, and I know we're not we're not talking COVID in, in this episode necessarily, but but one of the things th- those are the non tangible statistics yes. that, that accompany this. You know, so we I mean we can talk number of cases, we can talk the number of deaths, but but those kind of um, the statistics are the ones that we'll never see on paper, but were very real impact of of this virus. That's right. And uh, yeah. 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 I'm not saying yeah. I have a better answer. I'm just saying this is a cost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and on, on even the, the younger side too, you know, there's that yeah. un, unwritten cost too of those that are without work and, and dealing with uh, depression. And, and as, as we know, we probably even have some people uh, like this in our, our churches that find their identity uh, in work yeah. and being able to provide and, and so forth. And when that is stripped away, uh, it can be very difficult on on them, and and uh, but but like Kyle said, uh, we're we're not talking about uh, COVID nineteen uh, today. We're talking about something even more depressing, and that is the uh, <laughs> the Southern Baptist Convention. I am just kidding. That's not how we're going to set that up. But uh, no, you that's know, how you run Mark, a campaign, Matt. That's yeah, absolutely right there. <laughs> you know. Bar- Barbara, you had some things to to say uh, in in long form tweets. Uh, this. Uh, this last couple of weeks, uh, and of course, bringing the ire of uh, Matt Hensley, your your dear friend, uh, with the uh, the you have a blog reminder, and we just thought today would be a good day to bring you over uh, to our listeners and and allow you just some some space and some bandwidth to just be able to share uh, kind of what's on your heart and a way forward for the SBC. Uh, we all know uh, the SBC sometimes. Uh, is able to come together in the summer, in, in a sense, work out some of our differences. We we were talking before the show, maybe not with enough time to work out some of those things, but we do find at the end of them, uh, there's a lot of uh, unity and so forth. We rally around what we are about uh, because sometimes that just allows a release. Uh, we haven't had that release this year because, of course, COVID-19 came in. And so a lot of things have festered online and we just wanted to take a moment to, to let you share uh, maybe some steps to improve a few things in the SBC. This is the, the Bart Barber plan to fix the SBC. So there's absolutely no pressure whatsoever, um, but uh, you know, only two people are gonna hear it anyway. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but we would love to hear what you have to say, brother. So um, I'm, a, I'm a polity wonk. Uh, I, uh, polity is the way that people make decisions with one another. Uh, I believe uh, the, the preeminent goal of our decision-making structure uh, as Baptists is to enthrone Jesus as Lord over what we're doing in a way that unites 
his church behind him. And um, that in order to do that, uh, we believe that not only the outcomes, but the process need to enthrone Jesus as Lord. Um, and we have some biblical guidance about how to do that in the church. Uh, and uh, we also have uh, some tradition about how we do things within the Southern Baptist Convention. And I think that a measure of how well we're executing our polity is the degree to which we're able to resolve difference of opinion, uh, not to eliminate difference of opinion, there's always going to be difference of opinion, but where we're able to work through it in a healthy way and arrive at decisions that we can move forward with and that we're not allergic to times of peace. But sometimes it feels like the Southern Baptist Convention is allergic to peace, uh, that, uh, that, that, we, that we, have to, we have to have some sort of uh, conflict that's going on. Um, and so I just have uh, a few things that I think may be a part of our life uh, as Southern Baptists that could help us uh, to have a healthier polity uh, that moved us toward more peace. Uh, one of those things, uh, I, I believe that most people have a need to be heard and to be loved. And uh, I think sometimes some of the way that we treat dissent in the Southern Baptist Convention may fail to meet those, um, the, those guidelines uh, to be heard and to be loved. Uh, now, um, you know, there are some people uh, who don't really have a question to ask. They don't need to be heard. Uh, uh, right, Kyle? Uh, Duly noted. Duly <laughs> noted. <laughs> but for a lot of people, you know, if they step up to a microphone, they actually have something they want to say. Uh, well, Kyle, had, Kyle had something he wanted to say. I had a lot of words. I'm not sure how much I said, but I sure used a lot of words. to. <laughs> like most of my sermons, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think um, uh, it's difficult at our convention uh, to be the person at microphone number three. Uh, it's difficult because um, just the audio visual systems are structured in such a way that when you start to speak, everything you say is going to come back at you two seconds after you said it. Uh, which makes it incredibly difficult to focus on what you're saying and not to sound like a moron. Uh, but then beyond that also, I think there's a, I think there's a feeling that, um, that often uh, the, the platform, uh, people on the platform have that advantage that they can step up to a microphone and it's just normal sounding. But then they also have the advantage sometimes of uh, sort of having the apparatus of the convention behind them. And so, um, it's one of the reasons why I, why I love Ronnie Floyd and why I'm thankful for the, 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 the role that he has in our convention right now is because I've watched him be in that other position. I've watched him step up to a microphone and try to make a, an argument or make a motion. And to, to be in a position where his motion didn't go through, uh, didn't go through the way that he wanted to. And I think there's a, there's a need for us always to remember from the perspective of the Committee on Order of Business, from the perspective of the president of the convention, the parliamentarians of the convention, everybody who's wielding a gavel or working up there on the platform, people who are bringing out committee reports, uh, that, the, that the function of all of that is to empower the messengers uh, because the messengers deserve to be heard. 
And, um, you know, I wonder sometimes, why don't we let people say in advance that they're going to make a motion and record that and let it be, and the convention gets the opportunity then to edit it down to three minutes if necessary, or make sure that it, you know, it fits within the right time. And the, and the, and the messenger making the motion has the opportunity for it to be, to be played from the convention screen in a way that you don't sound like a moron uh, because you have this repeat coming back into your, uh, into your ear with a delay. Uh, but things that we could do to, to help people to, to see a healthy way to, to air their views and also, always just to be real careful. I, uh, I remember a convention meeting that I went to where a guy made a motion to amend and uh, it was to amend something that was a big, big deal to the folks who've been working on the platform. And it was made and it was seconded and then it was ignored. And uh, effort made to say, well, let's do this instead when the guy had actually made a valid motion and had gotten a valid second. And um, I think people who try healthy ways to express a difference of opinion and are shut down are most likely to be the people who will resort to unhealthy ways. Uh, to try to carry their point of view forward in the convention. Um, so I think we need to make sure that people are, are heard. And then also with our handling of dissent, I think we need to make sure that people are loved. Um, I, I'll tell you, uh, uh, the Conservative Baptist Network, uh, for example, uh, is, is a platform that has not made the case yet for me to be able to look and say, okay, I sign on to this, I, I agree with these. But there are people that I love and respect who are a part of the Conservative Baptist Network. And there are people I love and respect who are uh, seemingly uh, um, folks the Conservative Baptist Network might not enjoy having in the positions that they're in. Uh, and, um, and I refuse to let anyone tell me that I can't love both of those groups of people. We're fellow Southern Baptists. Uh, we read the same Bible, share the same gospel. Uh, uh, we, we participate in similar churches. Uh, we have a lot in common. And um, I think um, we need to emphasize the love that we have for one another. So um, doing some things, I think, to make sure that, um, that we respect dissent, that we tell people it's okay to have a difference of opinion. You're not going to be branded or blackballed because you thought something differently about this. It's not only okay to have a difference of opinion, it's okay to articulate a difference of opinion, but then we make a decision and we move on together and you need to be prepared to lose. Uh, and, and so we need to learn how to, how to respect dissent well. And we also as dissenters need to learn how to lose well and move forward to the degree that we need to. Um, Y'all interrupt any time that I'm getting too boring. I was going to say one one of the one one of the things that first came to mind is we're we're in the middle of about to ordain some some deacons, and as a part of some of the questions that we'll be asking and so forth, one of them is how will this affect you if ultimately it doesn't go your way? If yeah. if you aren't made uh, a deacon, are you taking your ball and going home? Is it something you can respect the collective wisdom of? everybody or is this so important so you know and i know we're just talking you know a, a deacon ordination type type thing right here but you know is this something that is so important that you can't uh understand what life would be like if if we don't vote to bring you in 
and, and I think that question or that answer uh, is very telling uh, for folks. Can, yeah. can you understand that if this is a collective uh, agreement, that yes, we are conservative, or yes, these, these people that are in these positions are conservative, that what we have teaching, you know, what, whatever the decision might be, our teaching doctrinal, you know, right in line with the S SBC, BFNM, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, can you accept that and then move forward with us? Uh, or is there going to be, no, we're, we're done. Is that kind of what you're after there? Absolutely. Uh, that, that exemplifies the kind of fruit of the spirit at work in the hearts of God's people that, um, that I think it exemplifies. I think we all have things that are so important that we just couldn't compromise. I mean, uh, um, designated if, uh, hitter, designated. <laughs> that's right. Or if we were going to start sprinkling babies or, uh, if I were forced to grow some atrocious beard or something like that, anything, anything like that, you know, maybe I'd draw the line out, but we have to have some things that we can, that we can work with each other on. Um, I, I also think, uh, just to get into some more structural things, um, and, uh, um, I don't want this to be too localized to this time because this is something that I've thought for a long time. Uh, I think with the technology that's available now, we've all, uh, particularly in this pandemic, we've worked with Zoom meetings and all sorts of ways that we can have distributed meetings. Um, I think the time has come for us sort of throughout the Southern Baptist system to chill out a little bit on the degree that we use smaller groups to make decisions that larger groups could make. Um, one of the things that um, when I uh, served as a trustee at, at Southwestern, I, I tried to be someone uh, when I was in an executive committee meeting um, who would ask the question, why couldn't we just let the whole board consider this? And, um, and then beyond that, I think there are times to say, why couldn't we just let the whole messenger body consider this? Um, I think that when we, when we decentralize power, that's the opportunity to hear more people and it's the opportunity for more people to pray about a decision before we make it. And I also think that it, it helps everybody to feel that they're heard in such a way that equips and prepares everyone to be able to move forward together. And, um, you know, there was a time when you had to, to catch the train or the stagecoach to travel across country, to get to a meeting, to be able to make a decision. And uh, that time has passed, and, um, and I just think that the occasions are rare that we should have to say, well, we've got a board of trustees, but we've got an executive committee. Uh, the executive committee is just going to make this decision because it has to, because the full board couldn't give input on this. I think, honestly, those, those circumstances where you could not seek the input of a full board are, are rare now, uh, very rare. I think executive committees need to retain that ability, but I think they need to exercise it with great caution uh, and, and seek most of the time to, to decentralize some of our power. Because what happens then if you, if you move more and more to a, to a centralization of decision-making, uh, where, where just a few people in key influential positions are the ones who really call the shots, then you get a lot of infighting over who's gonna be in those positions. Uh, and, um, and, and it tends to make us less a people of votes and more people of, of coup d'etat. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think we witness that sometimes in our convention 
when really our polity, the heart of our polity is not oligarchy, it's broad-based prayerful decision-making uh, among the people of God. And so I think we could reclaim our heritage there in some ways that could help us not to have so much, so much contention. Um, I, can, I can expand on that into some other things too, if y'all like. Well, well, I mean, I was just thinking, I've, I've been to, I think I've been to four conventions. So I'm, I'm not a seasoned veteran like yourself, but, but I've been to enough to see we that, know. that uh, <laughs> oftentimes um, that there is discussion, uh, sometimes debate, but, but very frequently discussion that could continue that's not allowed to because of a time frame. Right. So, I mean, yes. I mean, every, every single SBC that I've been to, there've been motions to extend time and then time expires. And, and eventually there's a, there's a shutdown for a, for a discussion. So yeah. what, what's, what's the answer? All right. So, so I'm going to ask you the, the seasoned, yeah. the seasoned SBC veteran here. What's, what's the answer in a, in a two day, business meeting a two-week business meeting baby because <laughs> i want to be at disney for no. two weeks is it is it is it less most people would events? trade a video or two for some more time to discuss okay. uh very important questions okay. i think and and that's what i was gonna say is it less ancillary events is it less um maybe special outside speakers is it what what is what, if you had free reign to set the to set the uh the program and order of business how would you make that happen i would prioritize our decision making I would I would give more time. I think I think there's a general sense among messengers in the convention that the reason we run out of time is not because we're really out of time. Uh, it's not that we've packed everything into this meeting that can possibly be done. Um, a lot of people want their shot at the platform to say a thing or two. Uh, I watched Dave Miller and his group do the pastors conference and and and. Uh, it's not that I think people are freewheeling around. Every second is counted and measured in trying to plan this meeting. And I don't want to undercut what anybody's doing. I think it's just a question of in that planning, what do you prioritize? And uh, if we're not careful, we'll leave the impression that the reason why so little time is given to discussion and working through our decision-making is because we really don't want people's input in discussion and in working through our decision-making. And, um, you know, I've seen some years that uh, introduction of motions uh, finished early because they gave so much time that people made all the motions that they could make and there were no more motions to make. And I say bravo for that kind of planning. And they got to move on a little early to something else. So, uh, and the same thing I think can happen with debate, particularly if you know that something's gonna be controversial, give more time and let people say the things that they, that they want to say. Um, the, um, you know, you can take some of the other things that we do, I think, Kyle, uh, some of the video reports and, and, uh, and, and some of the kind of advertisement things that we do. And I think you could put some of those things in place in such a way that you could say, we're giving plenty of time for this discussion. We don't think we'll actually have to have all of this. When discussion goes less than the time that we need, we're going to add back in this thing or that thing. So, uh, it's really, it's, it's just a priorities question, I think, more than anything else. And I think we ought to prioritize what the meeting's actually for, uh, for us to come make decisions that we need to make in Southern Baptist and move forward. Um, you know, I also think um, we've had since the, 
since the the uh, uh, the reorganization in the mid 1990s, um, we've had an ongoing move in the name of efficiency that has reduced the number of spots for people to be able to participate in the polity of our convention. Uh, we consolidated a bunch of entities into the North American Mission Board. Um, that saves money because you don't have as many boards of trustees, you don't have as many meetings, but it also means that you go from out of millions of Southern Baptists, you know, uh, you, you go from um, a number of people who can participate to a smaller number of people who can participate by serving on a committee or having some sort of relationship with an entity. And um, I think that that sentiment is ongoing in our convention to uh, to say, well, we can we can streamline more, we can become more efficient. But I hope we'll keep in mind that the the more we narrow those opportunities to serve, the more that we eliminate positions on on boards, people to serve as as, as trustees or in other ways with our entities. The more that we do that, the more we're reducing the degree for that people can be heard uh, in some way or another. And there's a cost to that. I think we have to take that into account. There's a cost whenever we do that. One, one final question for you, uh, Dr. Barber, unless you want to add some more on, uh, on all of that, is you have uh, a few things in your bio that I like, uh, a couple of that I don't, um, but, uh, but one in particular is the line, trying to be a good twitness. And uh, why, why don't you give just just as a, a way of just a quick word of encouragement for those that are listening in uh, that in this time where we're lobbing bombs back and forth and and uh, yeah. you know the contentiousness that we do see online uh, again we don't want to not be able to share where we disagree and, and all of that how how can we be a good witness on Twitter social media what, whatever in this season uh, be, because it is very uh, contentious. You know, we've seen it in our churches right now, you know, with decisions we make with COVID. Uh, you're not doing too, uh, too, too much, or you're doing too much, or you're not doing enough. You know, there's, there's all of that. So we've seen that on our own uh, lives, but how can we be good witnesses on Twitter and Facebook and so forth uh, in this kind of contentious season? Well, um, let me say, first of all, I've got like seven other things that I could list, but we don't have time here today. But I'm going to be releasing some of these ideas uh, as time goes on, just to kind of fly with the flagpole and see if people can, can grab hold of this. Uh, coming to your question uh, about, um, about social media, Twitter and, and uh, Facebook, and, and uh, are they pronouncing the new one in the French sense, parlay, or is it parlor like a room in your uh, house? Uh, I am I am unsure. I, I do not know. I think it's just dumpster fire. That's the easier way to, <laughs> to pronounce it. <laughs> Probably so. Uh, so um, I I think um, I think the main thing for Southern Baptists to consider is that Twitter is not our polity. Um, Twitter battles are meaningless for our polity. The numbers there are not representative of things. I was involved with blogging back in 2006, back when it was Wade Burleson and, and Ben Cole was involved back then. That's how I came to know Dwight McKissick and Dave Miller and so many, all these people have in common with me that they are ancient. And uh, so 
uh, in 2006, I was, uh, uh, I was involved in blogging and, and a couple of years, um, uh, into that, um, David Rogers, the son of Adrian Rogers was running for first vice president of the SBC. And, um, he and I saw a lot of things differently about the issues that were actually, uh, up in front of us at that time. And, uh, and then, Jim Richards, who's the executive director of the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, he was running for first vice president of the SBC too, and he's a close friend, and I appreciate and agree with him so much. Um, and so I had a side on that. I wanted I wanted Jim to win, and we went nuts in the blogs and the comments and everything. This was before Facebook; it was before Twitter, and we were article after article, volleys going back and forth. It's kind of like what uh, Baptist Blogger was talking about the other day, his statement in response to the SBC Voices statement, in response to the EC committee statement, in response to the Jared Wellman statement or whatever. Uh, it, was, it was threading that way. We're all writing articles back and forth to one another. And that seemed to be the whole universe. And the SBC annual meeting was in San Antonio that year. And I went down there and I sat on the front row of one of the sections, close to one of the microphones. We'd all discussed everything that might happen. You know, we had all our plans in place. And the two guys sitting beside me, pastors, Southern Baptist pastors, engaged Southern Baptist pastors. Only a fraction of Southern Baptist pastors come to the annual meeting. So these are engaged Southern Baptist pastors. And the time comes out for that vote. And one of them leans to the other one and says, who's David Rogers? And the guy said, I don't know. Who's Jim Richards? And the other guy said, I don't know. Which one are you going to vote for? Uh, we'll take whichever one comes first. And so they raised their ballot and they voted in that way. And I realized in that moment that most people are not reading our blogs. Most Southern Baptists are not reading our blogs. And the universe of people who are making these decisions is much more representative of who Southern Baptists really are than anybody's social media feed is. And so I think that gives reason for all of us to chill out because not only is Twitter not our polity, but a lot of the people who are engaged in our polity making these decisions would be outraged by some of what we do online. If they saw all of that, they would, they would, uh, they would, they would lose respect for our position rather than gain respect for our position by seeing the sorts of things that we do. So uh, I decided it made a real change in my blogging and in my social media. My, my, my point of view has not changed very much on issues down through the years, but I decided that I was going to try to, to write and speak in an effort to persuade, not an effort to vanquish. And uh, there's a big difference between the two. And I think our polity would work better if we would do that, even with what we do on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Barber, I know you hate it when I say that, uh, but Bart, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. It was enlightening. We look forward to the uh, upcoming uh, 20, 40, 60 long tweet threads uh, that, that are coming to a at Bart Barber near you uh, on Twitter. And uh, we look forward to kind of hearing you flesh out some of your, your ideas. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, at the very beginning of the podcast, we talked about how God and his providence 
set a pandemic to prevent me from nominating you for uh, absolutely thing. Uh, God also in his providence knocked Kyle out of this podcast that by internet uh, <laughs> failure just a few minutes ago. I see he's back now, but yep. uh, uh, I yep. thought we might have a prayer to thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, apparently it, I was, I was, I was being supernaturally hindered from asking any more questions or making any more <laughs> statements. So praise, All God. Right. praise <laughs> God. Well, so, uh, Kyle, I, I know this is his favorite part of the podcast. Uh, send us out. Yes. Well, until next time, may your coffee, or I guess in, in uh, Bart's case, your iced tea. Dasani. Uh, Dasani. <laughs> I hope your Dasani is not black as night. There's something seriously wrong. <laughs> 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 I hope your coffee is as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. And pitchers cannot bat. This podcast has been sponsored in part by the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. There are a lot of great things happening on Seminary Hill, and so we encourage you to find out all about them at swibbits.edu after the short clip by Roy Fish. Again, that is swbts.edu. Have a great day, and God bless. People without Jesus are lost. And they're not only lost, but they're in danger of being eternally lost. The fact that people are going to be in hell if they don't somehow come into saving faith.